Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. We are so glad to be with you at supertalk.fm. Wherever it is you're getting podcasts from, we appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I want to remind you guys that today on Super Talk all day long is our Palmer Home Radiothon. So please, if you can, tune in, find a way to give. There's some great items up for bid, including a, a framed and autographed picture of Dak Prescott. So that's something I think any Bulldog fan uh, might like to have. But remember, Palmer Home, no money from the federal government or any other government for that matter. They, they survive on your donation. So if you can make a way forward for that uh, and, and make yourself available to give a little money it's certainly certainly appreciated that also means that uh you know no deep dive on tomorrow's pod because i'll be i'll be in jackson today be getting back a little later we will have a podcast but no deep dive we'll have to find some things to talk about want to thank our sponsors over at strange brew coffee house and churn and spoon ice cream i haven't been to churn spoon yet that, that gift card is burning a hole though i gotta i gotta get over there I'll make that happen. Of course, you know, they just reopened. Uh, Strange Brew has been with us throughout this whole time. So one of those local businesses that has taken care of you, try to do your best to take care of them. Keep your local businesses in mind. I I assume you have taken care of Strange Brew today? I actually, today was one of those days where I didn't make it over there. Uh, That's hard to believe. I know. They had to do without my my money today. You got to get two tomorrow. You got to make up. But I, I, I do believe that. I'm one of the many that help keep that place afloat, oh, so yeah, they're absolutely. not worried about losing my business. No, I wouldn't be either. Uh, I want to thank our good friends over at College Corner. Remember, when you go to collegecornerstore.com, you can get free money. How's that, you ask? Well, if you've been listening to the show, you know. I, I, I hope you, I hope as many of you have taken advantage of this special as, as possible, because it's going to be a sad day when they finally shut it down. They're finally like, all right, we're not going forward with that special anymore. And they said, when I, when I get the text, it says, hey, Brian, don't mention that anymore. <laughs> It's going to be a sad day for those of you who didn't take advantage of you. You've been putting it off. Don't put it off any longer if you haven't already. Go to collegecornerstore.com and pick up a gift card there. You get 30% off the purchase. It's a $100 gift card. Only going to run you $70. So check them out today. Collegecornerstore.com. They've got two locations in the Jackson area. Over in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. Over in Flowood by the Half Shell. Check out their incredible selection of MSU merchandise at College Corner. Our good friends over at... Advantage Business Systems know that right now, your business can't afford to be missing a step. You need to be efficient. You need to make sure everything is streamlined and running at the at peak, peak performance. And they have solutions that can get you there. So why don't you give them a call today? Call them at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com. And you can find out what 45 years of doing business here in the Magnolia State can get you. Find out right now how you can make your business run better in a time where you need to squeeze every dollar out of it. You need to be efficient. Advantage Business Systems can help you. You can find out how Advantage Business Systems helps you, helps your business, do business. Hey, Joel. Hey. Joel T. is a monumental day for him today. He got a haircut. Yeah. First since the quarantine. Yeah. He was He was really looking like some quality 1980s Ric Flair. If we could put a big pair of aviators on him in a suit, a couple of pair of alligators... 
Yeah, I just needed Cal T's hair color to have gone along with it, which I used to have yeah, before that, I got uh, old. He's got that good platinum blonde working. Yeah, uh, but no, back to my back to my shortcut. Yeah, uh, you look like yourself again. Hey, appreciate that. So there I we don't go. Know if that's a good thing or bad thing. It's either way. When you're ugly, you're just ugly. Whether it's long, short, doesn't really matter. So are least, you saying that you're ugly? Don't don't be that. It way. doesn't matter that I'm ugly no, no, because no. I have a beautiful wife. Yeah, but you know, keep your almost three keep your children uh, keep your your, your spirits it's high. Like two and three quarters children. There's right no now. reason to talk about yourself that way. Hey. I, I love me no matter what I look and like. And God so. loves you, but you should That's love right. yourself. I'm just saying. I mean, being ugly, that doesn't, that doesn't hurt me. I'm just saying. Just saying. You saying I'm beautiful, bro? Huh? You're beautiful. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All right, we got two interviews on today's show. It's another uh, a double dose today. Uh, we got an opponent preview and an SEC preview, both SEC West teams. We'll come back to the Aggies for an opponent preview, or uh, yeah, in a couple of weeks. But today we'll start off with an LSU team. That and this is going to be the focus of our of our interview. We're about to talk to Brooks Cabina from the Advocate down there in Baton Rouge, covering the Tigers. Three years ago, LSU came to Starkville and got absolutely embarrassed, run off the field. Two weeks after that, they lose to Troy at home, and you're thinking he's not going to last the season. Or Jerron. he's not going to he's going to get fired at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. And now they've won the national title, and he's probably the most secure coach in the country, not named Dabo or Saban. Hey, he honestly might have more job security than Nick Saban right now. Who could survive a 7-5 and five season? Mm. I mean, when you win a national title, that gives, yeah. you, that gives you a little yeah. leeway and, I mean, that next year. They would year. lose their mind in Alabama if Saban went 7-5 and five this year. So there's something to that. So I want to find out, you That's know. an interesting question. What would Nick Saban have to do to be 5? He would not be 5. 8-4. and four. He might, it might, You don't think? You think they would fire him? There'd be a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. <laughs> especially depending on what Auburn. If they lose, what if he loses back-to-back Iron Bowls? And you know, then he goes, well, let's just be real here. He, he's not going. Eight, he's not. Four, he's seven, not. Five, he's going. But, he's going undefeated. But if he went eight and four and lost to lost to Georgia, and lost. Let's say they lost to Georgia, LSU, Auburn, and then pick somebody A and M, Tennessee, Tennessee, somebody like that. They finally beat him for the first they time go, in they decades. Go, you know, Alabama goes to like. The Texas Bowl. I mean, there'd be a lot of pressure on him. No question in my The opinion. Liberty Bowl with Alabama. God. That was Bear Bryant's last bowl. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the Tigers. We're going to talk to Brooks Cabina right now about LSU and get his thoughts not only on the on the Tigers, but on their matchup with Mississippi. So joining us now here on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline is our friend Brooks Cabina. Covers the Tigers for the Advocate down there in Baton Rouge and NOLA News. Uh, we were talking about we're, we're looking at this game from this prism that three years ago LSU came up here and was absolutely embarrassed, just run off the field, and then you know a couple weeks later they lose to Troy, and we're thinking you know Orgeron's not going to make it through the season, he's he's done, it's over, and then you look at where they are now, what what's you know obviously you point to Joe Burrow coming in or Joe Brady coming or whatever it was, but what, was there something more? That happened at that game in Starkville in 2017 that sort of set LSU on the path that led to a national title? Man, you're really trying to get Mississippi State some credit here, aren't you? I gotta, we we got to get what we got to get here. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough life up here. I mean, I think that had a lot to do with that season for sure. And, uh, you know, kind of led towards a lot of different internal changes that led to the hires that led to – Joe Burrows. I mean, it was kind of very tangentially, but yeah, I think I think you know it. It it, it kind of. It, 
right, we can look at it this way. At that time, it showed things weren't functioning. And right. I think at, at Ogeron realized that and knew things needed to change. And um, whether it be Mississippi State as the catalyst or Troy as another, um, you know, it, it really showed that at Ogeron's uh, picture and structure at LSU hadn't completely formed to where he wants it. And last year he talked a lot about how it was finally how he wanted it to be. And you saw the results. Um, you know, those were the things that he knew he had to go get. He, he knew he needed to go to a more spread scheme. And Joe Brady became the Boyles Award winner. And uh, he obviously uh, impressed them and, uh, as, as a guy who knew the Saints system back and forth and the RPO that he also ran there at LSU. And um, you know, Joe Burrow was a the guy they wanted to uh, you know, go get. And he, he showed them stuff as a, as a junior as well. And you know, it's uh, so. I think that's the best way to answer that. Is like it, you can see the two different LSU's under Ed Ogeron um, in in that loss at Mississippi State and in what they have now. It's it's completely different. When I look at this LSU team, you know, looking at last year's game, we were talking about that offense is where State lost that game. They just couldn't go blow for blow. I mean, holding LSU to thirty six points last year. That feels like a win with that offense. You know, you, you didn't do that badly. LSU is so good in the secondary, though, and they, they, they've got so much talent there. Is it really a, a, a challenge for them? How will MSU running a pass-first, spread-the-field kind of offense, how will that affect the LSU defense? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because now we're looking at a Bo Pelini scheme mm-hmm. here in Baton Rouge, and, you know, as much as it'll be a 4-3 and, and talk as – schematic stuff goes, um, it's all the more likely you'll see them in a 4-2-5 kind of look. Um, you know, that that's the main thing, is how much pressure, how much extra pressure is LSU going to get from its defensive line this year in comparison to years previous under the 3-4, the three-man front that Dave Aranda had. Um, so, I remember Aranda talking about how everything kind of sets everything else up. And um, pressure has its effect on coverage and vice versa. So when you look at the personnel for LSU, yes, the secondary is just as much talented as it was last year. And with Derek Stingley in another year, you almost wonder if it's going to get even better. And Jacoby Stevens coming back for his senior year uh, as a safety, that gives you a lot of... uh, um, confidence if you're LSU. So um, the the other interesting thing that LSU is going to do this year, and uh, Bo Pelini talked about this a little bit in the spring, was they're going to have. He comes from the too high safety school. Um, you know, it's it's something that Ed Ogeron said they're going to run a lot more than they've ever seen at LSU in the past recent years. So how 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 that secondary approaches against you know, Mike Leach and, and, and kind of a spread system, um, you know, you, you've seen, you haven't seen Bo Pelini in, a, in, a, in quite a situation like that at a high level since his Nebraska days. And, you know, not to throw out, uh, you know, in case the season doesn't happen, maybe I don't need the storyline, but it's interesting to, to note that uh, Mike Leach won both of the games against Nebraska whenever they met each other. Um, so, He's got his notes against uh, 
what the Red Raiders were able to do, and um, you know, I think I think it'll definitely be interesting. On the offensive side for LSU, you know, there's so many question marks in terms of you, know, you lose Burrow and Brady, and those were really the team that makes it work. What is the team of Brennan and Linehan going to look like? It's a good question because the Miles Brennan effect on LSU this season, I think, is going to be a different kind of look than what Joe Burrow did last year. Now, What's interesting to note also, and I wrote a story about this earlier this year, is Miles Brennan's background, his high school years out in St. Stanislaus, out in Mississippi, where he became one of the best passers in high school history in Mississippi. He ran RPOs, complicated schemes, uh, just like uh, Joe Burrow did at Ohio State and Athens before, and that made him a good fit. Uh, Brennan did the same. Um, but I think he's tooled more towards... Um, you know, he, he has different skills, I'll say that. Um, you know, he, he, I think what you'll see a little bit more this year is, uh, and I think Scott Linehan's hand in this as well, is I'll combine this. So Scott Linehan, whenever he was the offensive coordinator in, um, and, and uh, over at, and with the Dallas Cowboys, they were very um, dedicated to the run. I mean, if you remember, uh, they were leading – NFL rushing leaders in Ezekiel Elliott um, with Scott Linehan there. And I think you add kind of a good element here, and I think that's why Ed Ogeron wanted to bring him on is because um, a good part of the RPO system, and he wanted to keep some of that up, is to have a good run game complement the pass. And Brennan's ability to throw deep will be different. Um, he has a strong arm. He's, he's That's what everybody continues to talk about him and his, and his strength there. And I think LSU's offense, when you look at it this year, you've got a deep running back system as well. You have John Emery, who was a, uh, a top-five prospect whenever he came in. And, uh, you know, Ty Davis-Price was as well. And Chris Curry emerged last year as a good option. So the And, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was, was a fantastic running back last year. The, the talent is continuing to grow at that position. So I almost wonder if you start to see more of a, you know, a, a dedication in runs and play actions and looking at uh, a, a deep shots, then maybe, you know, you were dedicated in other ways to, uh, you know, there was you know, crossing patterns and, 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 and accuracy passes that Joe Burrow was good at. So um, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to look at. Uh, I think he brings a different element. Um, and I think those main things are going to be, you know, utilizing the strength of his arm and uh, the, the new running back stable that they have. I guess I always, as we do these interviews, oftentimes I ask big picture questions. But what's kind of expected of LSU this year? What, what, what's kind of coming off the heels of what happened last year? Uh, is there kind of an understanding that there may be a step back, or is it kind of national championship or bust? Well, I think everybody's expectations here in Baton Rouge are so, you know, last year everybody knew that that was something everybody's probably never going to see again. I mean, you have the last time a Heisman Trophy winner was Billy Cannon in 1959. Like, you're, 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 and you, 
you know that all the records that are being broken, all the wins by however many points, that the records that kept falling, it was a special year. So I think everybody has a pretty realistic sense that this year naturally has to be less successful, <laughs> right? Like it can it it could be a national championship season. They could you know you know they could win a national championship, but to to think that they could replicate that or do better, it really doesn't seem realistic. Um, so, but but when you look across and the talent that was able to fill across the board. I think everybody, and, and including myself, think they have as good a shot as any to be a contender again. And you look at uh, throughout the SEC. I think you, you, you look at Florida and Alabama. Obviously, those are going to be teams that are that are good again. Auburn is, uh, especially with Bo Nix coming back again. You know, they're going to emerge as well. They've been a, a, a good battle against LSU, even though the defensive line lost a lot of talent. It, it, it seems pretty wide open again. I think last year people got that sense as well. And LSU's talent level is, is immense. Uh, I think they're very confident in Miles Brennan, but you've got Jamar Chase, the best wide receiver in the country, back. And then you, you're, you're deep there as well with guys like Terrace Marshall. And then you just got the highest-rated tight end in the history of 247's rankings in Eric Gilbert. And people have been high on him throughout – uh, you know, the spring up until now, even though he had an injury there for a bit. You know, your running back group is 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 deep. And then on defense, your secondary is just as good, if not better. You just got Jabril Cox, who uh, was an All-American at, in the FCS level at North Dakota State, who anybody across any conference or league would have wanted him to be a starter this year at linebacker along with Damone Clark, who for the past two years has learned, has only not played because he was playing behind the Butkus Award winner in uh, Devin White in 2018, and then Patrick Queen, who was the first-round pick by the Baltimore Ravens last year. So he's a, third, he's a third-year guy that's going to start at linebacker, but you know he, he's ready to play. And then you have a defensive line, and that's where the biggest question to me sometimes comes into this, like, Defensive tackle, you know that thing's going to be solid. Tyler Shelvin was probably the most underrated defender on the team last year um, at nose tackle, and he's going to be a defensive tackle who can really cause some trouble. And people point to him as that kind of um, Glenn Dorsey type that Bo Pelini on his first go round at LSU, and then he can cycle in guys like Jacoby and Guillory and uh, you know Apu Ika and, and Neil Farrell at the at the other defensive tackle side and Glenn Logan as well who started at defensive end last year but then you get to the outside edge that's where you start to wonder a little bit more uh, on the pass rush and I kind of mentioned that earlier you know TK McClendon is a was a former tight end now he's playing defensive end they say he's good but we haven't really seen him play defense yet and then Justin Thomas we saw a little bit last year so I'm sorry, I'm giving a little bit of break position breakdown for your for your audience here, names <laughs> that they probably won't even think of ever again. But I hope that paints a picture of like the the talent level is there for them to compete. So I think everybody believes whenever you look at the games they have upcoming, especially you know Texas Week Two. I, I said it last year and was if they beat Texas, um, they had a they they would almost. You know, they had a clear path to the 
college football playoff because I thought that they could lose against Alabama, still have one loss, and make it in. I think that again this year where Texas is reeling from its down year last year and it's making a lot of changes. And, gosh, it's hard to look at it through the view without COVID and what it could do um, through everything. But, you know, they've got their main quarterback back and, their, their secondary might be healthy, and they've made a lot of coaching changes. That's going to be the biggest game again. And uh, I don't think anybody thinks that LSU can't compete or win every game they have this year. Right. It's, it's just it's hard to think it can be as certain as, 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 a, as what people will consider, including myself, wonder if that was the best team ever last year. Aside from the, the normal, hey, don't turn it over and don't commit stupid penalties, what does Mississippi State have to do to beat LSU this year? Well, you know, I think, I think there's that element of newness, right? Um, I mean, I, I, I was doing my own diligence looking at Mississippi State and um, what they would possibly do with a Mike Leach system. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting just having that element of, of, of newness. Uh, I, I, I always thought that the RPO could possibly do that as well, but it's interesting. Maybe you can tell me this because you know the 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 assessment I had at Mississippi State was that you know the RPO wasn't really working because you know the pass element wasn't there. Well, now you bring in Mike Leach, and it's supposed to be passed pretty much the majority of the time. And I know KJ Costello came in from Stanford. I guess he's maybe the the biggest guy that uh, is probably going to take over a quarterback, but. I don't know, like, can they control, um, can they outgun LSU? Can can that spread system uh, work against LSU's um, secondary? And, you know, it's, it's, it's whenever you talk about the secondary at LSU, it's, it's, it's deep, so it can handle that kind of thing. So uh, if they're going to win, they're going to have to do it in the sense that Leach did it whenever Pelini was over at Nebraska. They have to... They have to win in the 40s, you know, uh, yeah. and, and sometimes it may, may may come down to the final minute. So um, you got to win win by outscoring. So um, that'll be interesting to see. To answer your question, I, I don't think State in year one has the skill position talent, but at wide receiver especially. You know, Kylan Hill's fine, obviously. But they, they don't have the receivers to, to do it this year against an LSU secondary that has – Maybe, I mean, Derek Stingley would have been a top five pick as a true freshman if he could have come out. There, there's, He'd have been drafted out of high school, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. And, you know, and then, I mean, they just have so much talent back there in the secondary. It's going to be difficult for, for this, you know, especially for, I don't feel like State has guys who can get open deep right now. I mean, I have to see some, some of these guys, you know, maybe come in the fall. But I don't. They don't have that guy right now. And then you combine that with I don't know they have guys who can get big yards after the catch against this LSU secondary. So it's it's going to be a very tough road to hoe as it is every year for Mississippi State against LSU. But this year in year one, this is a game that if it goes wrong, it could go wrong badly for Mississippi State. But we'll see what happens. And when that game is played on October the twenty fourth, no question about that. That's when that game's getting played. <laughs> See you in Tiger Stadium on that day. We hope. Yeah. We hope. All right. Brooks Cabina, thanks so much for joining me, man. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. All right. Thanks to Brooks for his time. Really appreciate that. 
It's such an interesting question. And, of course, you know, you look at LSU and you had a coach they thought they were going to fire, but they've stayed the course and it's paid off. And now Mississippi State is on its third head coach. You would never have guessed that, you know, when we left Davis Wade Stadium in that in that 2017 game. You'd have thought State would have been the program that's sort of ascending and LSU's on the way down and they may have probably gone through at least one coaching change already. And instead it's the other way around. I think it just goes to show when you're an elite program, you can make those kind of things happen. And if you're a Mississippi State kind of program, not an elite program, but a good program, you really have to claw for everything. There, there are no easy days for Mississippi State. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And, yeah, I go back to where I was in 2017 and, and watching that game and leaving the stadium. I mean, how many times since that day have we done shows and one of us or both of us mentioned something to the effect of, Oh, uh, Ed Orgeron is just not a good coach. Yeah, you know, and now here we sit today, in the turnaround that 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 he has had. I, I think that I don't know. I, I don't want to say that Mississippi State is responsible for what LSU turned into last year, right? But I do think that Mississippi State beating them like a drum in 2017 may have played a part in the evolution of Ed Orgeron as a coach. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and helped him. You know, not be the because look, he he was always the the guy that was the micromanager type. At least that was his reputation, and it kind of seemed like since then, uh, or at least since that season. I don't want to say since necessarily that game, but kind of loosened up a little bit, or you know, trusted his guys a little more. And lo and behold, here we sit three years later, and they're on top of the country. Um, yeah, it is quite interesting to think about how high State was at the end of that game and how low LSU was at the end of that game and then the paths the two schools have Would never have guessed it, to be but, honest. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, LSU is, at this point in time, you know, they're a blue blood. Yeah. And Mississippi State is not. And that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, programs like LSU can can recover quickly. Uh, they, can, they can string together some of these big recruiting classes. And Mississippi State, at least to this juncture in history, you know, you, you get, you're, you're probably going to have a 25th in the country to 30th ranked recruiting class and just kind of have to hope yeah. for the best. And so anyway, LSU at Orgeron never would have guessed that he would be what he is right now. Are the two teams any closer this year than they were last year? I should be. Should be. I mean, you, should. you, you feel like LSU... No way LSU's what they were a year ago. You hope, if you're a State and, fan, yeah. And if you're Mississippi State. You're an SEC fan, yeah. You feel like defensively you are you should be better, mm-hmm. at least from a guys you got coming back standpoint. I know it's a new defensive scheme and all, but you feel like defensively you should probably be a little bit better, and offensively you should be a lot better. That game wasn't lost defensively. No. And, and, and you think about LSU, you give up 36 points. So that's a good day against that LSU team. Mm-hmm. You know, your problem was you couldn't move the football. This year you should be able to move the football. I always think back to, to to his first game against LSU, Moorhead. State was so much better than LSU that year. They really were, but you would never know from the score of that game. You know, they, they dominated the game defensively, but the offensive game plan was so poor, and they put the ball into Fitzgerald's hands when it didn't need to be there, and it, that's how you end up losing. You know, nineteen to three. You give up one touchdown on a three play, three yard drive. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just silly. So, I'm interested to see. I don't think State's going to beat LSU this year. But can they be competitive? You know, To me, 
a, a truly successful season, if you want, what is the best possible season at Mississippi State? Right? Because I don't think 12-0 and is ever really a true possibility. Could it happen? Sure. But that it's an outlier. But if you have a year where you go 10-2, and two, and you lose to Alabama and LSU by less than a combined 20 points, that's, that is really the top end, isn't it? Yeah. That's the realistic <laughs> top end. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's a season you're going to finish in the top 10. You're going to go to a great bowl. You're going to be a really good team. And you didn't get embarrassed. That's, that's you know... That's what that to me would be, and if state, I want to see if state can make it more interesting with those two schools this year, which which stems from the offensive side of things more than anything. Yeah, else. it kind of seems like with a Mike Leach offense, if he does what he has always done throughout his career, Mississippi State's always going to go into those games now with a puncher's chance. You would think it yeah. kind of seems like it. You would it? think we'll see. Let's uh, move on over to our opponent preview. And like I said, we are staying in the SEC West, but we're talking about Texas A&M. That's beef country, and so is Mississippi. Now that Welcome Home Beef has started to expand what it's doing, if you can head over to Collinsville, Mississippi, chopping up the local piggly wiggly there, they have Welcome Home Beef products on the shelf. Top of the line steaks and burgers, roast, everything you're looking for, all parts of the cow are represented, and they're all delicious. So... If you're not in Collinsville, hey, no big deal because you can call Welcome Home Beef and they're happy to ship just about anywhere in the whole wide world. Call them today at 418-2021, area code 662, of course. Or just go to facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef and you can put in your order there and find out what you can put on the grill, put in the pan, put in the pot this weekend. Don't forget, one thing is always guaranteed when you call Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. Let's go now to our interview with TexAgs.com's Olin Buchanan. We'll come back to the Aggies in just a couple of weeks when we do another opponent preview, but this is just an overall SEC preview. We're talking about Texas A&M with TexAgs.com's Olin Buchanan. Olin, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it feels like this is about the fifth or sixth year in a row that I've heard this is the year for Texas A&M. So tell me, why is this the year for Texas A&M? Well, let's see. Uh... 16, or depending on how you count, either 16 or 17 returning starters from a team that won eight games despite facing one of the most uh, difficult schedules maybe ever uh, in college football because they did play uh, three teams that were ranked number one in the nation, mm-hmm. um, and that's never happened before. Uh, so they have uh, all those starters. That includes your, your quarterback and um, the uh, uh, entire offensive line. Uh, and then, uh, as I mentioned about that schedule last year, uh, before all this certainly arose, certainly uh, A&M's schedule still looked a lot, uh, let's say, a lot more manageable. Mm-hmm. They were uh, trading out road games at uh, Clemson and Georgia with home games against uh, Vanderbilt and uh, Colorado. Right. So you would have liked their, your, your chances to, to win those games a little bit better. You mentioned the quarterback. Kellen Mond is a guy who, you know, in his time at Texas A&M has had some moments where you think, wow, he really looks good, and he's had some moments where he's, he's, he's you know, he's been up and down, I guess you could say. Will he have that consistency this year, and is there another level to his game? Uh, I think uh, there is another level to his game. Sometimes he, uh, he gets right on the brink of it. Sometimes he's, there have been times when he's actually taken his game to another level. But the consistency you talked about or you asked about is the key there because Kellen, um, he can be he, he, 
Kellen's like playing roulette. You know, it can be high risk and high reward. And uh, you just can't ever count on it being either. Uh, and I think their last football game in the bowl game uh, win over Oklahoma State last year was a perfect example. His first half was about as uh, well, just about as poor as you would ever see a quarterback play. He'd lost two fumbles and not, hadn't, hadn't completed many passes, just didn't do much. Uh, in the second half, he had two long runs, one for a touchdown, one to set up a field goal that won the game, and he ended up being uh, the most valuable player. So that's kind of who Kellen has been. Uh, he's done some amazing things, and then sometimes he makes the, the really loud mistakes that you, you know, maybe he's not taking care of the ball when he's running it or – he throws the ball into a certain coverage without uh, taking a, you know, uh, looking for a secondary receiver. You know, stay locked in on one guy, and uh, you know the hope is that uh, him being a senior and his third year with with Coach Jimbo Fisher, that they'll work out some of those issues because he does have the ability to do some, again, do some really amazing things. You might remember seeing him play Clemson a couple when he was a sophomore in a huge game he had. And in that seven overtime game against uh, uh, LSU a couple of years ago, the the uh, the way he played late in the fourth quarter in an overtime was amazing. Um, but you know, with with uh, with Kellen, you know, sometimes you get uh, some great results, and sometimes you're just confounded. You mentioned, you know, we talk about all the returning starters. You mentioned Mon, and you mentioned bringing back the entire offensive line. What about the skill position guys? Who who are they going to be getting? Who's going to be getting the ball in this offense? Well. The uh, leading rushers back, uh, Isaiah Spiller, he was a true freshman last year, was not expected to play at all, or I shouldn't say not, he was not expected to get a lot of carries. He entered the season uh, the third team running back, and uh, the, the, the starter, Jay Sean Corbin, got an uh, 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 injury that ended his season in the second game, and then um, uh, Isaiah came on, he finished with almost 1,000 yards. Uh, so he's the guy that's projected to be the starter. He was a little bit, had, still had a little baby fat on him last year, and had a little moon face, and he's really done a lot in the weight room and has changed his body. So they're expecting some good things from him. Uh, Anaya Smith is a kid that uh, uh, played wide receiver last year. Another, he was a true freshman, and he moved to running back for the uh, – for the bowl game because, quite frankly, they didn't have any depth, and he actually played really well in their keeping there. So they're really excited about him there. Uh, the receivers, Jamon Osmond, I think, is one of the uh, most reliable guys in the SEC. Yeah. He had about 80 catches last year, and he's back. Now, they did lose two starters uh, at receiver, but they've got some uh, guys they really like coming on and some freshmen. Uh, one of the uh, top freshman receivers, uh, prospects in the country coming in as a true freshman. And then at tight end, they have uh, uh, Taylor Weidemeyer, who uh, uh, came in as uh, a true freshman in August. He you know, didn't even go through spring with them and got off to a slow start, but ended up having a good a good year and finished with six touchdown catches. So I think he was their uh, biggest, uh, uh, greatest big play threat last year. So he's back as a sophomore. Not really anything, I, I don't guess, that would affect anything on the field this year, but obviously earlier this month some punishment handed down to Jimbo Fisher and, and A&M. Just, it, it, is that anything that will have any effect at all uh, now or in the future, or was that just kind of more of a uh, slap on the wrist, I guess? I think, you know, I think it was a slap on the wrist, and, uh, <laughs> you know, look, uh, 
can say I'm biased because I cover A&M, even as a slap on the wrist for what they did is probably uh, 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 more than it should have been because, now look, hey, they broke some rules, all rules, you want, you want to uh, follow them, no excuse, and, and okay, so accept some responsibility or, or whatever punishment. But the fact is, uh, in Jimbo Fisher's first spring, apparently that over the course of seven weeks, they had seven hours uh, uh, too much practice time in, uh, in spring practice. comes up to about uh, 12 minutes a day, and a lot of that was going on during the stretching, and they just had the schedule mixed up. But, hey, you got to do it. you got to be more aware of that. And then the other one, recruiting, uh, it was called a bump. You, probably, you guys have covered yeah, college yeah. football. So you know what a bump is. It happens a lot of places to a lot of people, and it just doesn't get turned in. I don't know why it was uh, considered a bigger deal for A&M, but they did it. They did. They owned up to it, didn't, didn't deny it. So uh, take the punishment. I think the biggest problem is there's going to be a couple of weeks where Fisher uh, can't recruit off campus during, uh, uh, you know, during the fall months. Now, you know, it may not matter with uh, the way things are going with the COVID, but um, let's face it, even if it's just a couple of weeks, when you're trying to beat LSU and Alabama and Auburn and everybody in the SEC West, you don't want to uh, give them even the, the slightest advantage. Defensively, what is this Aggie team going to look like this year? Well, you know, they were pretty good last year. I yeah. think they were ranked 29th nationally uh, in total defense. Uh, so I think they're still going to be pretty good. They're going to miss Justin Matabike at defensive tackle, no doubt about it. But I don't think the, the fall-off is going to be as great as you might expect. Uh, uh, they got a kid, uh, Jaden Peavy, who played a lot as his backup and played really well, uh, and I think he's an NFL player. Um, they, uh, for the, they, they probably have their best linebacker situation they've had since they moved into the SEC back in 2012, and they are really solid at, at uh, safety. Now, the issues last year for them were pass rush and uh, cornerbacks. And that could still be an issue. They feel like they've addressed it uh, in recruiting. Um, they brought in some some freshman guys that were some of the best in the country at Russian pass or prospects. But you know they're freshmen. You don't ever want to have to count too much on on freshmen. If you do that, you know you're you're, you're rolling those dice. Yeah. Uh, but they have a junior college guy coming in at one corner, and um, Brian George, who was highly recruited, and they you know he's a potential starter from day one. Their best corner last year was a junior college guy, Elijah Blaze, who was in and out of the lineup with a bad shoulder. And uh, he's supposedly got that all fixed. So, And then they have a five-star guy coming in, Jalen Jones. So they feel like they've got some guys that, uh, um, you know, if everything works out, that they could make a, a, a you know immediate strides at cornerback. And certainly they got the fingers crossed that they will. When you look at this program overall, like you said, they're going into year three of, of Jimbo Fisher. Obviously the expectations are high. But beyond this season, do you feel like this program is finally at that point where they can take off and, and truly become a year-in, year-out contender for the SEC West? Or, or yeah, I think, go ahead, go ahead. No, I think they're on the brink, no, no doubt about it. Um, the fact of the matter is, and it seems like some of the national media just don't want to acknowledge this, A&M did not recruit particularly well, especially now if you're going to compete in the SEC West. Uh, in the last two or three years before Fisher arrived. And so uh, his last two recruiting classes, depending on what service you believe in, were ranked third and sixth. And you're going to have to have that kind of 
you know, you know the, the, that kind of uh, talent to be able to, to compete in the uh, SEC West. Some of the some, I think the best talent, you know, the best players, largely on the roster are freshmen and sophomores. So you got to give those kids a time to develop. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of talent coming, and I think this is a year that you're going to see uh, a lot of it start to emerge. I'm excited to see Texas A&M this year because, like you said, we, we you know, the sleeping giant thing has almost become like a running joke at times. <laughs> it's been they've been asleep for 20 years, it seems. But it, but it does feel like, and especially with the commitment they made to Jimbo Fisher, that you know, this is the, this is the time for Texas A&M. So I'm I'm excited to see the Aggies uh, this year, and of course we'll see them in Starkville. Uh, in mid, hopefully in mid-October, we'll see what happens there. Olin Buchanan from TexX.com. Man, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Hey, guys, uh, anytime. Thanks for having me on. All right, thanks to Olin for his time. Really appreciate that. And, and you know, he hit on it you know, as we get ready to look at these uh, at this schedule here. And I, if I'm looking at this right, Joel, the people at Google have already taken the Colorado game off. So, you know, that game is not happening. Uh, so they're down to 11 games on this schedule. That's interesting. I have That's the first one I've seen like that. <laughs> but it makes it real. It really puts it in there. So, you know, I think we feel pretty confident in their remaining three offen- three non-conference games. Yeah. So we'll just sort of go through this. They play Abilene Christian uh, game one, so 1-0. North Texas, the Mean Green. All matter of Stone Cold Steve Austin, that jabroni. Still got me blocked on Twitter. Uh, week two, so 2-0. and Arkansas is an interesting game, not in terms of the game itself. I certainly think that they'll win. That, 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 by the way, the 19th would have been that Colorado game. This is the 26th is when this game is played. Yeah. But they're asking where are they going to play it. Don't want to do neutral sites this year. Um, so they're trying to figure out. I think it's, I think they said this year it would be played in Fayetteville and then next year in College Station, if that's how that has to work. Yeah, where They could play that game on the moon, and I would take Texas A&M to win well, it. Well, you say that. That game's always interesting. It's always interesting, but Arkansas never wins it. They never win it, and, and they're – by far the inferior team here. So I will absolutely be picking Texas A&M. But, man, every single year, no matter the discrepancy in talent between the teams, it's always interesting. And so, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always, a great, always a great football game to watch, but the result's always the same. And then on to October the 3rd, they come to Starkville. Now, last year they got the win over at Mississippi State, but again, you know, that was State's worst defensive game of the year, I feel, last year. They gave up 49 points. They just did not play well. Dantzler didn't play in that game. The suspended guys didn't play in that game. Uh, so, I mean, State really – I think Brian Cole missed it or, or got hurt in that game. State was just down a bunch of guys. You know, that was, I think, the first game Maurice Smitherman missed. They are just down. And A&M really made them pay. Um, prior to that, as we've talked about many times on the show, State has had the upper hand in this, in this rivalry. Um, this is a big swing game for both teams. Because for A&M to do what Olin Buchanan was talking about there and, and be a great team this year, they can't lose this game. For State to sneak into that 8-9 win range, they need to win a game like this. So which side of the coin are you on right now? I'm picking A&M. I can't tell if it's the always I, – I don't know. There's a part of me, though, that's screaming State's got a chance here. But for purposes of picking this, I feel more comfortable picking A&M. Um uh, don't know if you'll agree with me or go the opposite direction there, but as we sit here today, I'm going A&M. But if, if this game actually happens, if we get to it, mm-hmm. 
there's a, a strong chance, depending on what yeah, state looks depends. like, that I'm picking state that week. Yeah, but. I, I'm going to go A&M today, but we'll see. You know, you heard him talking about the problems last year for A&M on defense were pass rush and cornerbacks. Well, buddy, if you can't rush the passer and you got weak corners against a Mike Leach team, you could be in trouble. Yep. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, A&M plays Fresno State after Mississippi State. They'll get the win there. So we've got them 5-0 and when they head to Auburn. I'm the, going Auburn. The road team has had a little success in this this yeah. uh, series, but yeah, it just feels like Auburn to me, and I, I don't have a great reason for it other than it's at home. If you look at our system of how we get, you know, Malzahn versus Fisher, eh? Yeah. You know, Knicks versus Mond, eh? Yeah. But it's at Auburn, yeah. So I give them the the slight advantage today, but five and one. Uh, that's a, assuming we have a pick 'em contest coming yeah. up. That, that's one that could be a swing. That's game. a swing game for, between for you us, and me, yeah. no question. They're at South Carolina on the twenty fourth. They'll win A&M. that. So yeah. seven and one. They take the week off, and then they have Ole Miss come in. So eight and one. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt the next week nine and one. Life is good, right? Man. And then they finish the season with Alabama and LSU. Who has it worse than that? I think Auburn does. Don't, don't they, they, I think Auburn's the the opposite, the the the, uh, the inverse of that. I guess it could be the inverse, the converse. I don't know. And somebody's like, "That's not right." I know. I I just you know, <laughs> it's the it's the backwards, the upside down. I think Auburn. One eighty. I think yes. I think Auburn plays LSU and then Alabama, but I think they're going nine and three. Well, Auburn definitely doesn't play Alabama and then LSU because Alabama. The right. Alabama I think Auburn plays play. LSU and then Alabama. Yes. So, yeah. So I'm gonna say nine and three. They'll lose both of those games. Yeah, nine and three though. Go to bowl game, ten wins. That is a step forward. Or it'd be eight and three actually, right? Didn't you? Say oh yeah, 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 eight and three. Yeah, because they would have the. Uh... So where did I? I'm, I'm not smart. Yeah. So yeah, eight and eight and three, on this schedule yeah. as it stands, with a if a, they go to a bowl game, it'll be a good one. They'll be a top fifteen team. Yeah. That's a good step forward. So, All right. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow's show is going to be yet, but we'll certainly have one for you. It's going to be an Atlanta Braves opening day preview. San Fran. San Fran will be playing about the time we uh, get to work tomorrow night. So <laughs> that'll be fun with, uh, with Mookie Betts against him, the $390 million wow. man. Man, must be nice. It isn't. It isn't nice when your rival keeps doing these things. And this might be the year they finally win a, a World Series. You don't have to watch the highlights on a VCR. It'd be fantastic. We'll see if that happens. I, can you imagine having Patrick Mahomes? I mean, no, you can't because I can't, and nobody can. Imagine having Patrick Mahomes, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout type money, and just knowing that, that you have—it's one of those things that I—I I, don't—I don't—I don't, I don't, I can't wrap my head around it. Like, I can't either. Like, you know, I pay off my debts, like everything that I owe—the house, student loans. I don't have a car note right now. Whatever small debts I have. And that is like literally a percentage point of that. I still have forty some odd million from one year yeah. left. Yeah, it's it's tough to talk about. I I can't you know. I mean, there's I don't know what's harder to, to wrap your head around that people can get that kind of money or that people can blow that kind of money. There are people who have had these huge contracts and then they have nothing at the yeah. end, of it, which makes no sense to me. I'm like, what on earth are you buying? There are people right now. And the athletes we just mentioned, or, or some of them, mm-hmm. that could literally give you a million dollars, me a million dollars, and would never realize it was gone. Yeah. So if we have anyone listening, 
that just we'll, we'll wants to it. be like. I, I normally don't hey, like I, it. I don't normally don't like it when you're like, "Hey, can you give us stuff?" <laughs> but if you want to give us a million dollars, so be it. I, I mean, if it's just five hundred. 500 cage, that's fine too. I, th- I would take 100 bucks. <laughs> I'm not going to sneeze at any gifts like that. So, yeah, so. If, if you enjoy the pod and you want to make a generous donation, so support our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, have a great Thursday. We'll be back with you on Friday for Joel T. Coleman. Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks. That was a pretty weak. Do that again. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.